Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Hello, friends. Todd Tomasello with Safeguard Your Soul. Going to talk about where people go when they die. Where does somebody go? Where does their eternal soul go immediately upon dying? What a big question that is. Often discussed among Christians and definitely taught as a heresy by many of the cults we see today. Before we start this message, I want to encourage you to please pray for the outreach and uh, consider supporting it. Seriously, the work of God. Amen. And definitely could use some more monthly supporters, saints. We are reaching thousands every day in prisons, in person, and fueling other believers across the nation and world, and dropping books, like I said, in prison to people that are a captive audience, I should say. They're incarcerated, and therefore all of their attention is on looking up, because there's nowhere else to look in jail. That's one of our most powerful outreaches, although it's just one of many, and I would love to have you to labor together with us. The Bible says that we are laborers together with God, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. It doesn't matter what part you do, God is going to reward you. Amen. All right, in Luke 23, we read about where Jesus is on the cross, and on each side of him is a thief or a criminal, and uh, he tells the one who believed on him there on the cross, and basically his dying breath, he said to the man, Jesus said, to Today, today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now, Jesus was speaking of the holding place that Old Testament saints went to immediately upon dying. And that's why we see in Abraham's bosom, the man in Luke 16, which we'll talk about in a minute, that was the holding place. Paradise, Abraham's bosom are the same place. And after Jesus rose from the dead and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, then captivity was led captive, or the saints of Christ who were in paradise, it's believed, were all taken to glory. Jesus had to be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, today thou shalt, shalt thou be with me in paradise, Jesus said, Luke 23, 42 and 43. Today, this repentant or former sinner or thief who hung next to Jesus was going to be in paradise, quote unquote, and not asleep in the grave. Let me just say up front that soul sleep is a lie, and only the cults teach it. The doctrine of soul sleep is taught by many of the cults, including the Seventh-day Adventists and Jehovah Witnesses. Actually, the Seventh-day Adventists came out of the Jehovah Witness cults, and they're both cults. Okay, they have false teaching. Jehovah Witness has more false teachings than Seventh-day Adventists, but they're both cults. The Roman Catholic version of this Antichrist diabolical lie is their teaching of purgatory, which is an in-between state where the average 
Catholic, if you will, supposedly gets their sins burned off by fire because the blood of Christ, as they insinuate, was not enough to cleanse their sins and bring them to heaven. Actually, if there's Catholics, they're not saved anyway. If you get saved, you come out of that dark religion. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and then he'll be your father. Otherwise, he will not. Second Corinthians 6, and I don't have any gray area about that. I know there's a lot of Christians that insist that they know Catholic people that are saved. But let me just say this. I'm born and raised Catholic and was an altar boy, Catholic school. When you get saved, you know you've been lied to your whole life and you come out of it. Otherwise, I don't believe you got saved. Anybody who can't give up their religion for Christ is an idolater going straight to hell. You see, and I preach to a lot of people that claim to be Catholic. I've had dinners with them and coffee with them and, and I raked them over the coals with the Word of God, but they, they, they still wind up being more faithful to the Catholic cult than they do to Christ, which immediately tells you that they are not giving up their life in this world and they have an idol. It's called the Roman Catholic cult, which has done nothing but deceive them. And their eyes are obviously not open to this deception. In many cases, these folks don't want their eyes open. They're born Catholic. They're going to die Catholic. That's all that matters to them. Even though they might even quote scripture, that's unusual for Catholic, but I know some of them that do that. And they go along with and have discussions with you, but, but they don't get rid of this idol. See, Jesus said, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 33. Jesus taught that if you don't hate everyone else, including your own mother, father, and wife or husband, in comparison to your love for him, you are not his disciple. God will have no idolaters in glory. Every idolater is going to the lake of fire, Revelation 21, 8. So this teaching, this soul sleep teaching, supposes that when people die, they go into a state of sleep or nothingness. Yet the Bible reveals something very different. These false teachings are a diabolical attempt to remove the severity and re reality of conscious eternal torment. Mark 9, 43 through 49. But you got to read that in the King James Bible because the new quote-unquote Bibles, the fake Bibles, have absolutely removed that passage. Or at least greatly butchered it. Because Satan did not like that passage. He does not. That's the end of Mark. Chapter 9. About the last 10 verses. Okay, so there's no sleep that happens upon death, just judgment at the moment of death. I received a question, a person asked, he said, Todd, where do you believe we go when we die? Why do some preach that we go to the grave until Christ returns? My reply was, the Bible tells us we go directly to glory with God or hell. It's false to teach we go to the grave only, or our souls don't go to the grave. They go immediately up or down. Cults teach that your soul goes to the grave. They take out of context some verses in Ecclesiastes, etc. That's a false teaching, and it gives us the clue that we're dealing with a cult. The Apostle Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, there's arguments over that. Doesn't matter. It's divinely inspired. It says, uh, it is appointed on the men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And that means one upon death is judged to be either saved or lost. And based on whether or not they're saved or lost, they go to heaven or hell. According to the full counsel of God's word, when a person dies, that soul goes directly, immediately to the destination God has judged them to go upon their death. If they died in sin, even if they had previously been saved, they're going straight to hell. When someone dies, they are immediately in the place they have merited with God, heaven or hell. Then the wicked will be dredged up in the future. We're going to read that in a minute in Revelation 20. We'll, we'll be formally 
sentenced to either eternal glory, and in this case, they're going to be sentenced to the lake of fire. Death and hell and those in it that merited hell are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Those not found written in the book of life will be brought before the throne of God to be terminated, to be arraigned, to be specifically told why they're separated from God and cast into the lake of fire. They're going to be sentenced to eternal suffering. As a person dies, that is, in the spiritual state they die in, so shall they be for all eternity. There are no second chances. Eternity and where you're going, heaven or hell, is are absolutely irrevocable. Revelation 22.11, and that's especially hell, by the way. Revelation 22.11 says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. That is, when he dies. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. In other words, in the state you die, that determines where you're going to spend eternity. The Apostle Paul taught us that immediately upon death, he was going to be with Christ, to be with Christ. Okay, this is Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible says, For I am in a strait between or betwixt two, two places, or the struggle to be in one or the other, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Not in the grave, not soul sleeping, but rather with Christ. Notice, he's saying that if he departed, he was going to be where? To be with Christ. So he knew, and he taught, right? here that he was going to be with Christ when he departed from this earth. Then he says, which is far better. That's Philippians 1.23. Paul tells us he was going to be with Christ, quote unquote, when he departed his body in the earth. Notice, remember how the rich man in Luke 16 died and immediately how he went to hell. Do you remember that? Luke 16, I highly encourage you to study this, this passage intimately. It's the most detailed description in all the Bible on hell and many things concerning Concerning eternity in hell and heaven also, because the poor man went to Abraham's bosom and he was comforted. But the rich man died also, the scripture says in verse 22 and 23 of Luke 16, and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So notice the rich man, he died in sin, was immediately in hell upon dying. And the rich man cried out for comfort, but there was none, neither shall there ever be. He just wanted one drop of water to cool his tongue. He was tormented in this flame, verse 24, quote unquote. He says, I am tormented in this flame. You know what? This happened about 2,000 years ago, and this man has not received any comfort since, nor will he ever receive comfort. You see, it's not a matter of how severe and cruel God is, because he's not willing, he said, that any should perish. It's a matter of of how foolish a person would be to have a conscience and not be honest about it and sometime at some place in their life on earth that they would turn to God in repentance and receive Christ. That's the biggest betrayal right there. Men who betray a loving God who is also holy, holy, holy and sent his only begotten son. He so loved the world, God did, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He allowed his son to be crucified for their sins but they rejected him. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Men send themselves to hell by rejecting a loving God's offer to forgive all their sin and to wash them all away upon repenting and receiving Christ. See, these people rejected the gospel of Jesus when it was so 
showed to them, when it was told to them, okay? And that's going to be brought up when they stand before the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, which we're going to read in just a moment. God is going to point out the books are going to be opened of their life and the book of life, okay? And if their name and those at the great white throne judgment are not written in the book of life, and a record, full record of every intent of their heart is on record in the Supreme Court of the universe, and it's going to be brought to them when they stand before God just before they're cast into the lake of fire. No different than if there's a lawsuit and people have, uh, the, the court has all of this information about you, and let's assume it's true, definitely not a perfect model for sure in uh, courts today, in earthly courts, but it's supposed to be, and you know what I'm saying, when they have the evidence against you, like the video that you did something wrong or whatever, it's all there. All the evidence fully on record. And heaven won't miss anything because the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. There are five facts I want to throw at you right now, my friend. Five facts in this life. Number one, we're all sinners. Romans 3. Okay, we've all sinned against God. Number two, we will all die. Number three, we will all be judged. Our maker is going to judge every one of us. Number four, we can't save ourselves. And number five, Jesus Christ is our only hope. And if you're not saved, I want to exhort you with everything that's in me to repent today and receive Christ. Amen. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The Bible tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world for that very purpose, to save sinners. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, He, this Savior, this loving Son of God, healed the one who arrested Him, served the one who betrayed Him, and loved the world who crucified Him. That's our Jesus. Amen. You must be willing to be honest, my friend. Come before God and admit that you have sinned against Him and that you need Him to save you and cry out to Jesus. Amen. In Luke 16, 19 through 31, read that and you will see that upon earth the wicked and the righteous upon death go to their separate places as we spoke of earlier. And they're going to be fully conscious for all eternity. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 through 8 is another passage that tells us that we're going to be immediately present with the Lord upon death. Paul said this, therefore we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, our spirit, if you will, our soul and spirit are in our body. We live in a body right now, temporarily. Temporal body on the earth and our spirit dwells in our body. That's the animating part. That's the life force, if you will, that God breathed into us when we were conceived in our mother's womb. Therefore, we are always confident, Paul says, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. While we're in this body on earth, we're not in heaven. We're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight, he says. Then he says this, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. Ah, when our spirit leaves our body, hello, and to be what? Here it is, present, present with the Lord. So Paul is clearly conveying here that when we're absent from the body, we're going to be present with the Lord or in the Lord's presence. James 2.26 says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. James 2.26, notice, as the body without the spirit is dead. See, you are alive, your body's alive only because your spirit, it houses your spirit, which is the divine life force God made you to be, okay? We are fully confident, friends, that the moment we pass, we the moment we breathe our last breath, we shall be present with the Lord. Quote, be present with the Lord. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. On this topic of where the human soul goes uh, immediately upon death and refuting soul sleep, the late Donald Stamps wrote this concerning Psalm 16, 10. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, which is prophetic of Christ, hell, 
or Sheol. Here means the grave, a personal relationship with God, he writes, will give believers confidence in a future life with God. It's certainly a certainty that he will not abandon them to the grave. Psalm 73 teaches the apostle Peter and Paul both applied this verse to Christ and his resurrection. In Acts chapter 2 and 13, Sheol is found 76 times in the Old Testament. It's translated 31 times as the grave, 31 times as hell, and three times as the pit. When the New Testament quotes these passages, it generally translates it with the Greek word Hades. Some scholars believe Sheol always means the grave, while others think it never has that meaning alone. In general, the Old Testament views Sheol as a place associated with some sort of punishment. A, when Jacob indicated that he would go to Sheol because of the loss of his son Joseph, he felt he must be under the judgment of God. Thus, he refused to be comforted. There is no evidence that he sought God further until after he heard Joseph was still alive. And also, David, as an example, clearly indicated that Sheol was the place where the heathen would go, Psalm 9, verse 17. And Isaiah said that the heathen king Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria upon death would meet in Sheol the kings of the kings he conquered, Isaiah 14, 9, and 10. Uh, also, there are several passages that indicate the Israelites did not expect to go to Sheol at all at death, but would instead go where they would enjoy the blessing of God's presence. Amen. When David died, for example, he anticipated dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Remember that? Psalm 23, 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another psalmist believed that God would redeem him from the hand of Sheol and receive him to himself in heaven. And Solomon testified that the wise God-fearing man goes to the place above, that he may depart from hell beneath Proverbs chapter 15, verse 24. Okay, so soul sleep, again, is a lie taught against what Scripture teaches by the cult. Judgment before the white throne, great white throne judgment. This is what I was talking about earlier. Death and hell, Scripture says right here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 and 14. Okay, Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 and 14 says, Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. First off, why were they judged according to their works? That's what Jesus also said in Revelation 2.26. Well, because your works directly relate to and testify of what your heart's all about. One thing to say you believe, it's another thing to truly believe, which means your life is transformed initially and ongoing as you abide in Christ, you remain in Him, you endure to the end. If a person's life, the fruit of their life, their works, which is a big part of their fruit, and their doctrine do not line up with what the Word of God testifies and teaches about a godly person, then that person isn't saved. It doesn't matter how much they try to convince themselves or anyone else that they're saved. James 2, James said, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my work. John the Baptist preached that men must repent and bring forth fruits meet for repentance. In other words, prove you've repented by your work. Okay, God will dredge up the wicked upon death to be arraigned, to be brought before the Supreme Court of the universe, told why they are separated from him in hell already, specifically why they went to hell, that is, immediately upon dying, and specifically cast into the lake of fire. Death and hell were where they already were, and then they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Listen to this. This is the, the whole passage.
passage, the four or five verses here, concerning the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Notice they're standing before God. There's no place for them in heaven, it tells us here. And the books were open, and the, another book was open, which is the book of life. So it looks like the books or the record of their lives on earth, including every motive or intent of the heart, were open. See, everything's going to be disclosed. Full revelation. Nothing missing. The earthly courts don't know all that we've done if we stood before them and, and were accused of criminal acts. Even if they were correct about what they knew, they don't know at all. But God does. He knows everything. Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God sees all. No one can hide or ever has hidden anything from him. All that is in darkness shall come to the light, Jesus said, Matthew 10, 26. Then it says, Revelation 20, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their work. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation 6, let, let me say this first, though. When somebody goes to jail, let's say they commit a capital offense, they don't immediately go into the state jail. They immediately go into the county jail, and then they go to court, and then they're sent. If they're found guilty, they're sent to the state jail, the worst, the, the bigger judgment place, if you will. See, and that's kind of the same thing here. The county jail, where the court is, that they have to wait upon their court date, is more like hell. And this is kind of like a a figurative model here. And then when they get convicted, if that's the case, in the court, then they're sent to the state or the federal system for the years they have to be in jail. Kind of a little bit of a parallel model there of how people die and they go straight to hell if they're not saved. They die in sin. And remember, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. God is holy, holy, holy. Anybody that's outside of Christ, not only have been born again, but presently abiding in Christ, are separated from God, and if they die in that state, they're going to be in hell until God brings them up before his throne, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15 that we just read, and then he tells them why they're separated from him and why they can't come into eternal glory and bliss in heaven, and then cast them into the lake of fire. In Revelation 6, we see that the martyred saints were found under the altar, quote-unquote, in heaven. This is more proof that when someone dies, they go immediately, if they're saved, they go immediately immediately to be with Jesus, to be with the Father in heaven. Notice Revelation 6, 9, as we close, my friend, says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So again, they weren't in a state of suspension that some call soul sleep. Not at all. They were under the altar in heaven. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. If you want more information about being saved on safeguard your soul.com. There's a button at the top left-hand corner called Making Peace or Just Peace with God. God bless you, friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll be coming at you soon with more messages from God's Word. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also 
also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world, and may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among His people and through His beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh, and we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.